0: So I was nine months pregnant and I went and the back of the microphone fell off and I couldn't <laughs> bend over to pick it up. It was, it was a train wreck. In my mind, it was That's a big train wreck. But he was like, you're hired. I'll see you in a couple of months, have your baby. And I was like, baby, what baby? I'll start now. Like I didn't care.
1: This is episode number 142 with Dina Blizzard. You're listening to American Snippets, the all-American podcast for those looking to dream bigger, live better, and make an impact. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Once again, my name is Dave Brown. I'm here with my co-host and partner, Barbara Allen, and we have another awesome guest for you here today, just in time for Mother's Day. But first, uh, maybe you're a new listener, first-time listener, and I just kind of want to recap and remind everyone and, and yourself you know, what this podcast is all about. First off, uh, American Sipids is really all about you. It's about this country. It's about bringing you up and close and personal each week with people who exemplify excellence in their personal and professional lives and whose stories provide clear messages and lessons you can find inspiration and insight in. We are a patriotic podcast that believes in the American dream. This is a entrepreneurial mindset driven interview show that focuses on that American dream. And again, we are relentlessly patriotic. We are avid supporters of our military veterans and their families And frankly, we believe we live in the greatest country on earth because of the freedoms and personal liberties that we all have here. And we are committed to doing our part to keep it that way. So if this message resonates with you, you get value out of this show, you've enjoyed some of our past episodes. All that we ask from you is that you share this with a friend and leave us a review on iTunes. All right, so let's get on to this week's episode with Dina Blizzard. Dina Blizzard is one of America's funniest and most loved moms. Millions of people have grown to count on a comedian to remind them of the humor in everyday life, encourage them through this quarantine, and connect one another to a community. Dina's videos on motherhood have become viral hits. Most often, they've, they've become viral for the humor she finds in everyday life, but she often opens up to let people into the vulnerable side of herself, most notably about the challenges attached to advocating for a child with special needs. Just in time for Mother's Day, this episode is packed with insight on parenting and overflowing with fun as Dina lets us in on how she's built such a successful career by following her heart. Now, without further ado, here is Barbara Allen with Dina Blizzard. You're listening to the American Snippets Podcast.
2: Hey there, welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. I'm your co-host, Barb Allen. Today's guest is just plain fun to talk to and to follow online and to just absorb her content, mostly because literally she is just about fun, but she's also real, like super real about it, which is why so many people connect with her from all over the country. Dina Blizzard first sold a spotlight when she was crowned Miss New Jersey. Back in the day. Today, she's a wife. She's a mom of three. She's a comedian. She managed to create, launch, and run her own off-Broadway show, and I cannot wait to talk about that. That is not an easy thing to accomplish. She is the inventor of a game you may be familiar with, women. It is Chardonnay Go and Shiraz on the Shelf. All these things from one woman, the genius, is just never-ending. So I am very excited to have knowingly used... Corona to my advantage when I knew she'd be home because I follow her online. I know she's home, <laughs> <I> know she's <laughs> and she's doing track down Dina Blizzard to share her story with us today on American Snippets. Dina, thanks so much for um, not thanks. ignoring my message. No, I'm excited. <laughs> Only you and my mom
0: are this excited to talk to me. My mom's like, "Oh, you called," and then we talk about all the groceries on her grocery list. That's all we do. So I was much more excited to talk but, to you more than my mom.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's exciting. It's my mom's birthday today. We have a Zoom it birthday. Is- birthday later Birthday
0: tomorrow we oh wow tomorrow as well I know it is yes it's, it's hard it's hard to not be there on their birthdays. so it is
2: and there's going to be like 60 of us on the zoom call really I just sit there and drink like what are you supposed to do but oh, that's a whole yeah. other story yeah so let's get going on your on your story on your arc on how you rose to pick the things that you do because you branched out into a field that is not easy to branch out into and if I'm guessing correctly, a lot of people may have been like, "Oh, you'll never make it. It's too hard. It's cra- it's not not an easy world that you jumped into." Uh, well, none of them. Yeah, I mean, when yeah. I first
0: started, I guess it was comedy was the first one, and I think everybody thought it was like a joke. They were like, "Yeah, sure, go ahead." Because at the time, I I had two babies. I just had my second baby, and then I got pregnant with my third. And I think that most people were just like, great, let her go do something. I was staying home all the time and I was like, I'll go talk to some people. Um, And so it really started out as like a farce. I was like, yeah, go tell some jokes. Um, But by like the third year... Uh, I guess I started to get good at it, and I was already in Vegas and Atlantic City, and I was dragging babies behind me, breastfeeding. and my mom came to Vegas with me. it was it was ridiculous. Um, and then it just kind of grew from there. Like I literally had zero expectations, which is probably the best way to do it um, because because then everything is a wonderful surprise. Um, but yeah, it was all it all just kind of happened. I wish I could say I was like super smart and I planned the whole thing, but it really, <laughs> I really, we, we made the video. So Pokemon Go came out. We made the video for um, Chardonnay Go and we told moms they could find a glass of wine in their neighborhood if they had this special app and 23 million people watched it. And we thought, well, that was funny. And then I thought, (laughs) well, if women love wine that much, then why not make this board game? And so, um, so we created the board game and that went crazy. And it's just been one dumb thing after another. Then after we did that, the city of Chardonnay, France, called and they said, <laughs> um, We would like you to be the Grand Marshal of Chardonnay Day. <laughs> Shut I was like, of course, <laughs> you do, Chardonnay. And so they flew me and my entire family to Chardonnay, France last year. So oh um, May 23rd is Chardonnay Day. So it'll be a year, a year ago that they had us go out there it was the most ridiculous I was like this is why they don't invite Americans to 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 French things like we just ruined it it was so funny oh so I doubt you ruined it 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 that is amazing who knew there was such a thing that's what I mean (laughs) I was like Jim If I had found out there was a Chardonnay day and then backed up from it, it was like, how do I get French right. people to invite me to their country so I could ruin their holiday? Never would have thought about it. Never been like, let's make a game and then a video. And so it was all super ridiculous. But um, but that's kind of how it went. I mean, you know, I have three kids and there's always some kind of chaos happening. And so I was like, this feels like it would be fun, and then we do it.
2: And then we're here. And off you go. All right. So I have a lot of questions from that. First, you're like, so, you know, I just started in Vegas and then I went here. But that sentence is like, <laughs> you don't just like, oh, go to Vegas and get yeah. a show and start. Like, you know. Yeah. No, there's so, always like 10
0: stories behind every story. Yeah. So, so I, for my 30th birthday, I had always, I, like my 40th birthday, I was fine. But my 30th birthday, I'm like, I'm going to die soon. I should do everything I've ever wanted. You know, like 30 hit me hard. Um, and my husband bought me a comedy class in Northeast Philly. Like I'd always wanted to try comedy. He was like, great, I'll buy you this class. And I took the class and the owner picked a couple of people to start um, doing guest spots and like being the seater person at the door. So I was like, my name is Tina, come sit over here. And in exchange for that, I would get five minutes on the stage. So I did that for a while. And then there's a club in Atlantic City, which isn't too far from where I live. And uh, somebody got me a guest spot there. And so I was nine months pregnant and I went and the back of the microphone fell off and I couldn't <laughs> bend over to pick it up. It was, it was a train wreck. In my mind, it was That's a big train wreck, but he was like, you're hired. I'll see you in a couple months, have your baby. And I was like, baby, what baby? I'll start now. Like I didn't care. <laughs> and then, um, and then I did, I got booked in Vegas and the, the craziest, I was so excited. I was like, I'm going to play to And there was this big sign out front and it said you know, uh, show featuring Dina Blizzard, but right above us was a picture of a free exotic bird show and then a a burlesque show. So it was mostly of a naked butt and then my name. And I was like, I couldn't be happier. Just right under the free exotic bird show and under that lady's butt. But one day it'll be above the free exotic (laughs) bird show. And then I know I will have made it. So it was <laughs>
2: really again a series of mishaps and then i ended up in vegas somehow and yeah. then you ended up in vegas that's so cool though i mean and there's a there's kind of a you know a lesson in there right And people try too hard and obsess and focus like you said if you had gone after the structured it it doesn't always work that way. Yeah, it doesn't always like I say that to my kids all the time. You know, I really I feel like I'm raising artists. Like I think there's a
0: certain way that artists think and um, I see especially with women. I mean, I think we're all a lot of us are type A. But even I have two daughters, sorry, that are teenagers, dogs or something. And, um, you know, you just see them being perfectionists. And I was like, well, you know, if you have a book idea, then just write the book. She's like, well, it's not all thought out. I'm like, we don't just start writing the book. Like you don't have to have all the answers before you start writing it. And so, you know, I think that there is this, a really important idea about, you know, don't wait until you're ready. Like one of the things they said in my comedy class, he was like, if you think you want to do stand up, you need to come up and you need to start, even if you don't have any jokes. You have to come up here. And I remember the first time I went on stage, I had no jokes. It was the first night of our first class. So we would go to our class and open mic. I had no jokes, but I had a whole bunch of stories of when I was at Miss America. And they were funny. And I was like, I guess I'll go tell those stories. So I sat on stage and I just talked into the microphone and I told these goofy stories from Miss America. And I got off stage and I felt really good about it. And there was a guy there and he said, he came over and he was like, oh my gosh, you were so comfortable on stage. Like you've been on stage before. I'm like, well, yeah, but like doing other stuff. But he goes, I mean, you can't get that level of comfortable. And he just went on and on. And I was like, yeah, um, I was shooting for funny. Did, <laughs> did funny happen at all? He's like, no, no. Wasn't funny. But comfortable. It takes years to get comfortable. He goes, you'll get funny. But to do what you're doing naturally, which is just being comfortable, takes years. You're going to be fine. And I was like, I was really, was any of it funny? I was like, no, none of it. You'll get funny. And I was like, all right, if you say so. And so, you know, really kind of trusting, you know, that process that, you know,
2: you're doing something right. You're not doing the other parts right, but they'll come together eventually. And so. That is great. Well, um, so you mentioned Miss America there. So let's backtrack a little because. A little. I'm wondering. Backtrack a lot. (laughs) Backtrack. Did I see that you entered um, Miss New Jersey? Are you born and raised New Jersey? Born and raised. Never left. Can't leave now. They won't
0: let you leave once you're Miss New
2: Jersey. Oh (laughs) really? Just kidding. I'm this was this was natural at one point, but I did not believe that. Is that part of the contract? (laughs) I I was gonna make a joke about New York, but then I couldn't say it because I didn't win any pageants, you know. that's where you're coming up. Um yeah, so tell us about how you got the guts to go into uh I don't
0: know that I have have the guts to do any of this. I just did it. Um I was in college, I was graduating college, and I knew I wanted to do something after college, I didn't have any money. And my mom knew like a lady in her her office who did like some of the preliminaries for Miss America. And um, so my mom found out about one and said, Hey, we're, you know, because I'd played piano since I was a kid. And I was like, well, I have a talent, I guess. And I could talk. I was like, I, don't, I just don't know any of the other parts. I didn't know how to do my hair. So like the very first pageant I ever did, I wore my junior prom gown, which wasn't even cool at that time. And I had like a barrette that I pulled my hair up and I was like, amazing. And then I put some eyeliner on right here, which probably I should use today, but... Uh, Not a lot. And then I remember like watching all the girls who were actual pageant girls and they were spending hours on their makeup. I was like, okay, you must need a lot of makeup. (laughs) (laughs) They were just much better at it than I was. Um, And so I went to Mr. Jersey that first year and I, I won a talent award. And then I was like, oh, I think you're supposed to try looking pretty. And then um, the second year I learned some stuff. I just followed the girls around and I kept saying, how do you do that to your eyes? How do you get your, how do you, and then the, and your boot, how do you, I just kept asking questions (laughs) and I must've looked like a crazy person because they kept answering me. And they were like, "Oh, this poor girl. She doesn't know what she's doing." But then, after a while, they wouldn't answer me anymore. I guess I started to figure it out. And they were
2: like, "No, I'm not telling you." Anything. Yeah, <laughs> that's how and you know the that they year. see you as a threat when they yeah, stop helping the second you. year, I won, so um, and they're like, when, "Shit, we shouldn't have helped her." Yeah, <laughs> they were like, "Why would we help her?" So <laughs> yeah, yeah, you went from like the mascot to the to the competition. Yes, yes, yeah. it was very funny, but it was great. There's, it was uh, my daughter was supposed to
0: actually be competing in Miss New Jersey this year. She's 17, and I think she was one of the youngest contestants going. And uh, so now I don't, I don't know when Miss New Jersey is, but uh, I don't know if it's the first time that a Miss New Jersey starter's competed. But if she won, it would be the first time that one's won. But it's weird because it's like my 25th anniversary. I'm like, how crazy if we had had it, and then she won, and it's my 25th, and then I'm old. Ugh, it's just too much. So.
2: Well, the alternative, you know, sucks. When was the pageant (laughs) supposed to be? (laughs) That's true. Um, It was supposed to be June. So it will not be June. Um, They already canceled it? Like they already called it after June? Yeah, I think
0: it's in September now. Okay. Um, And then she had said, she goes, well, because she's going to college next year. That's where she thinks she's going. And um, she's like, well, now I'll be moving into my dorm at the same time. And I was like, ha ha. You think you're moving into a door? Uh, I don't think either is <laughs> going to happen, frankly. But, um, but yeah, they'll figure it out. They'll figure out all of it, and it'll happen, in whatever timeline God decides. So you know, yeah, we're, we're all just kind of take it. They canceled senior trip today, so that was today's news. So you know, I'm just know. trying to take it a
2: day at a time and
0: see what happens.
2: I hear you. I hear you. Um, were you always? I don't know what just made me think of this because your dog didn't even just bark right now. Um, were you always fostering dogs out? like, Or did you just no. start that with the quarantine? Yeah, well, so what happened? So we had two
0: dogs and right before quarantine, we lost one of our dogs. Yeah. And uh, a friend of mine has always worked with this fostering program and this this rescue. And I think we buried him on a Friday. On Saturday, they were having like a rescue event. And I said, well, why don't we just go cuddle with some puppies? That'll be a good respite for all of us. And so we did. And of course, my daughter was like, let's get a puppy. I was like, we're not getting it. The dogs literally just, we're not, yes. and I'm not there. And um, and it felt like fostering was like a good interim for us. I was like, this will be good for us. And then almost immediately, probably the, within the next seven to 10 days is when quarantine started happening. And so we got two puppies, two mastodors very quickly. And, uh, and they were great. I mean, they're puppies, but their paws are like that. They were going to be humongous dogs. And so we got to have them for a while. Now we have Lulu, who is a two year old boxer, um, who probably would have been adopted out very quickly, but she's got some medical issues. So we are working with the rescue to try to get her back up and running. And so, um, so we've had Lulu longer than we had the others, but, uh, but it's been great. It's been really wonderful. And I, I highly suggest people, if you can do it, to do it. They're just, uh, they're the only ones I'm talking to. I've
2: stopped talking to my children. So mostly focus on the dogs now. So it's really worked out. So, dogs don't talk back. We fostered a litter of puppies last year, seven flea infested, horribly pooping out worms, puppies came to our door. It was disgusting, but we wound up keeping one. You know, we already had three dogs. I think at the time we wound up keeping one. That's why I was going to ask you. Like, do you, are you like, you're holding steady? Like you're not sailing so, at it. A- <laughs> so it was funny because yeah, I was like, I, we're going to be a foster
0: failure at some point. Yeah. Um, but somebody had said, you know, if you keep, if you keep Lulu, would you foster again? And, right. and I said, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it. you know, we, we're not going anywhere right now. Um, but she, she's, slightly, she's slightly territorial. She was dumped um, in, a, in a forest or the woods in West Virginia. Huh. So she has a bit of a history. I'm not quite sure how long she was there for. So it took her a little bit just to kind of get used to us. Um, and so we were talking with uh, the rescue team. We're like, I think she could do like another male dog. I don't know that she would be great with a female um, But she's, she's very, very sweet. And, and it was great. There was, I forget, was it New York where the rescue center had said for the first time ever, there were no dogs. Yeah.
2: That's at a bunch of, at a bunch of humane societies is that I love seeing that. I used to manage a humane society. So I know how hard that is. And, um, and fostering. I love that. I love that you do that. I feel it's another way like people, we know we're in this quarantine now and everyone feels so helpless and like, you can't add value. You can't do anything, but you know you're doing it. You're not saving the world, right? But what you're doing yeah. is real, and it's making yeah. an impact. You're yeah. saving dogs' lives, and you're actually you're connecting. What you're doing online, which you've been doing for a long time anyway, but it's perfect. Like you are actually connecting people to others and to you into a sense of normalcy and crazy. And what is it you say? Like if you let your crazy out, you'll f- figure out everybody's crazy or something. Yeah. To you yes. know. Um, I think that's all great. It's all great. Like, you all have gifts. Would you ever have thought, way back when you were like, I think I want to be a comedian and start this, would, would you ever have thought that it would be something that you could actually like, genuinely impact people and touch them in a way that for more than just a couple minutes as a laugh? Yeah, like, you know, it's funny. I think I started to see that before the internet with just the
0: off-Broadway show you had talked about. You know, yeah. I... I had started writing about, you know, what my experience was, which was always just my kids and, and being home, my husband and just feeling like I was going crazy. And, um, you know, very early on, it was they made very clear. The bookers would say, can you talk about other things than your kids and you talk about subways or dating? And I was like, Well, I don't do either of those things. Um, and so it was kind of frowned upon, but I just kept thinking, like, I get it, like you have people in your club who are probably people that have lives, but there are a whole bunch of people that don't have lives, which are called my people who are at home and would really find this funny. And so it was really. You need to you need to get up out of here. (laughs) Why is she here? You can't see her. She's right here. I'm here all day. As soon as you get on the call, let me be in this corner. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So um, so anyway, so then we started. I had kind of created this whole show about motherhood, and we started touring the show and um and going to theaters. And I really thought whether it was the one woman show or Of then moving into the internet universe. Like, I always think what we do is super dumb. I still think it's most of what we do is super dumb. Um, But you get emails from people who will say, you know, listen, I'm by myself. Like, Tipsy Tuesday, I drink on the internet every Tuesday at 9 p.m., and and anywhere between 25 and 50,000 people can join us on any given Tuesday. Crazy. And, um, you know, I, again, we're not really doing anything important or valuable. Um, But you'll meet people on the road who will say, you know, we have a lot of military husbands and wives who watch us, who their husbands are away or their wives are away. And and they have kids or a lot of moms who put their kids in bed and just like, I just need five minutes to Mm -hmm. myself. We have a lot of special needs moms that follow us as well. And so you start to see that having somebody every Tuesday who you know is there and you can just have a drink with and relax and talk about nothing. Or my mom comes on and talks about one of her recipes or something crazy. And, um, you know, I think that over the years, I've started to see how important it is to find the humor, not just in motherhood, but just in life. I mean, the quarantine videos that we're doing now during (laughs) quarantine started as a complete uh lark again i the first day my daughter did her zoom class i almost walked into it which is with my bra and underwear on for the history teacher and i couldn't stop laughing and i decided to make a video about it i don't know i think we've made 30 some videos now in quarantine and um You know, so like I, I'm late today, so I did not post it yet. And people were like, are you okay? Where are you? It's coming. Give me a minute. I'm trying to do some other stuff. Um,
2: But so many people are
0: like, I look forward to your videos every day. Like trying, the idea of comedy is is seeing, seeing the same things that everybody else sees, but trying to find what the humor is in that. And I can't think of a more important time than now to be able to to do that. And, and, you know, I'm always, I don't know why I'm always surprised when we, you know, get emails from people in Switzerland or Australia or Japan. And they're like, you're so funny. (laughs) Like you forget, like, this is happening everywhere. Like it used to say like motherhood is crazy everywhere. Um, but now it's quarantine is crazy everywhere. And so, um, you know, just trying to find some little flicker of humor, um, in, in these days has, has really, uh, has, has helped me to kind of say like, okay, let me make a video today. And then I just love reading everybody's comments because some of them are just so funny. Um, so it keeps me, keeps me busy.
2: Is there ever a time a week, like where you're like, Oh my God, it's Tuesday. And I mean, life happens, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll have an animal that needs to run to the vet or somebody sick or throwing, or you just like feel like crap and had a bad day. Like, how do you, Mm -hmm. how do you stay with that? every Tuesday, if somebody told me every Tuesday at this time, I had to be in this place, I'd probably yeah freak out. Right. Yeah. So how do you do, know you do what? that?
0: I started, I started to get really, uh, overwhelmed by it. The same yeah. way you just said. And, um, I started to like, really like think about what am I going to say? What am I going to do? And how would I top next week? And I just was like, I don't even want to do this anymore. Like it just became too much. And then I just decided well, if I'm not going to enjoy doing it, and I'm going to get inside of my head so crazy, then I'm not going to want to do it. So if I just go live and just talk like I would if I was talking to one of my, like talking to you, right? Then, um, then I'll like it. And and there were there are many times where I'm like I really don't want to do this, and then I'll get on. And I mean, I'm essentially talking to myself, but I can read the comments from people. Right. And my kids are there, and my mom will show up on the screen and. You know, when it's done, I'm like, ah, oh, no, I feel better. Like that was funny. <laughs> so, you know, I guess it's like anything. You, you know, even when I was doing stand up, I was going to open mics every Wednesday for probably eight years. Wow, and, that's um, dedication. Yeah, and and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what's funny. Um, but I just kind of dedicated myself to to being there. And you know, I really think about whether it's comedy or anything. Like I I play piano, and I, I was always very good at it, but I cannot tell you after 12 years of piano lessons, like I don't, I don't know the day that I learned piano. Like, I can't say like, this is, this is the day that I learned it. you know, I think that when you dedicate yourself to just doing something every week and being present and being in a classroom where you can watch other people and watch from their mistakes and your own mistakes, you know, you, you eventually get better and you pick things up. And so, you know, just trying to encourage my kids that no matter what you want to do, um, you know, I remember I said something to my dad, like, I'm going to make a board game. And I don't know how to do that. And uh, and he was like, you'll figure it out. And I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, you have always figured it out. Like, you didn't know anything about Miss America. And then in two years, you were there. You didn't know anything about comedy. And now you tour all over the country. Now you don't know anything about board games. You'll figure it out. And same thing, I didn't know anything about <laughs> doing a show off Broadway. Um, and I was like, I'm gonna figure it out. And so you just kind of always put like, okay, if these people are doing it, well, then I need to be where they are, I need to take a class, I need to be doing something. And so, um, so yeah, so you know, that's, it's funny, I, I we had started a uh, two years ago, we started a nonprofit called Ladies Out Loud. I started noticing like I was hosting a lot of conferences and noticing for the most part I was only the woman only woman on the stage and I had hosted Miss America for probably 10 years the prelims that's how we had met yeah. and um, but when I started to to move into the corporate world I was like where are all the where are the women like why am I the only one up here I'd gone from doing Miss America with 50 women to just seeing no women and just starting to realize that if we didn't train women how to be better speakers um, that we weren't going to see them. And, you know, we put a lot of energy into so many other forms of education, but we don't really put that same thought process into really teaching people how to speak. And so we started a nonprofit called Ladies Out Loud, where we do that. We go into high schools and we teach girls how to be better speakers but through the arts and it's the whole thing is set up like an open mic um and it is it's a weekly session and every week they get better and you know it's it's kind of putting that same time into something and making it fun instead of having people just standing up there and reading they're like no you don't have to do that you can just do whatever you want they're like, I'm like yeah you can <laughs> walk around you can sit down you can face the wall I don't care what you do just figure out how you're comfortable um and we started with the high school program, and then we just got more and more women saying, do you teach this to adults? <laughs> because I have no idea how to do what you're telling these high school girls to do. Um, and I said to my husband, you know, when we first started, we were going to start with an adult program. And I said, it, I could teach women how to be better speakers. But what will change in 20 years if we don't teach these young women? And so that's why we started with our high schoolers. And it's a great program. It's what Jacqueline will be talking about through Miss America. Um, and now we're, you know, working on the, when once we see people again in the universe, yeah. on the adult programs. Um, but, that's you know. super the,
2: cool. Yeah.
0: This makes perfect. So
2: That is great. I love it. Love it. And I know, I know that there is a need and I know that. It'll actually make a huge difference in how these teenagers and these women, like, you know, the teenagers getting into college, or if they don't want to go to college, maybe they want to start a business, maybe they want to travel, but just having the confidence to even like go up to somebody and say, hey, I have this idea, would you listen to me? You know, yeah. like when I went up to you after the pageant, I was, yeah. I was like, oh, I got this book, do you think you would, you know, and I never send it to you. Right. Cause I, and I was like, that was like a different me years ago, but I see yeah. the difference, you know, and, and what yeah. a difference that would make. So hats yeah, off no, to you. That's one so great
0: the, though. One of the, two of the biggest things we talk about is, is number one, selling yourself. And we start with children's books. I'm like, I want you to read this children's book. And then one at a time you have to go up and you have to present your book. It's like reading rainbow. Remember reading rainbow? And he'd be like, and then this <laughs> happened like that, but they don't know reading rainbow. So we, t- we do it and they can sell the book. They're great at selling the book. And then I'm like, great. Now tell me, what was your big idea that you wanted to sell? They were like, Oh, uh, uh, and then they fumble. I'm like, it's easier mm-hmm. to sell somebody else's idea than it oh, is to sell thousand percent. Yes. Um, and then the art of negotiating, like being able to say, okay, you said no to this. What else? How, how can I make that happen? I don't think like I, anytime my kids ask me, like, can I go to my girlfriend's house before quarantine? Um, yeah. I'm like, okay. What do you got? They're like, uh, I'll clean my room. I will do the dishes for two days. Like, I'm like, negotiate you. Know, and they're like, maybe I'll ride my bike. I'm like, that's not what I want. That's what you want. Learn what I want. Um, but I think they're important skill sets, especially for young women. I, I, I'm raising two daughters. I have a son as well. But yeah, he seems fine with it. He, he'll talk. He'll negotiate. But being able to teach it to young women is is really important to me. Um, raising these two girls and and hopefully figuring it out for them and, and being able, we're working on our manual so we can share it with other moms around the country and they can start their own chapters. Oh, that and is so, so
2: great. Hopefully, It works out. Yeah. I love it. I, absolutely love that. That's wanna, the only
0: good stuff we do. The rest of it's mostly drinking on the internet part.
2: All right, that's it. That's the only good thing you do. Um, I want to get to a couple more things because, all right, we're going to – I definitely want to get to the, how you got the Off-Broadway show going. But you mentioned something in the vicinity a couple times, and I don't want to lose track of that because um, it's not the only good thing you do. It takes – it, you know, like, it's one thing to sit down and joke and say, oh, my gosh, i got this. And look what my kids did. I'm making popcorn in the middle of the night. My stove's clicking. Like, right? That's all, like, cool stuff, and it's fun stuff. But you take it a step further, and on occasion, especially, you just open up. That video you did about your daughter's IEP, mm. um, that takes, I mean, massive amount of courage to do and just let yourself be seen, especially when people are like, oh, Dina's funny, you know? So, like, there's yeah. this standard, like... Dina, like maybe they don't see you as a person. Like you're just supposed to be the funny person, right? Yeah. And then you just got real and real, you know, real. Yeah, yeah. No.
0: And I, you use the word courage again. Uh, I, it was really such a. Um, it was more of a gut move. I real. I literally couldn't drive home. I just was so having a moment. And I remember, you know, some of the funniest moments in in the show that we have are moments that were the worst moments ever in, you know, I was having a baby and the epidural and horribly wrong. It was just a horrible day. But when you tell this story, it's really funny. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I remember like any moment where I think I'm the only person this happens to like all that's really easy. It's really easy to go. Like, I'm the only one this happens. It's a very easy go-to, but the reality is, is everybody's having that same moment, but nobody's talking about it. And so we all just feel super alone. And that was the only thing that I could think of at the moment. I just remember sitting in this, I, I I made it to the CVS parking lot, and I was hysterical. And I remember thinking, "I am the only person that sits in the CVS parking lot after an IEP meeting." And there was just this thing in the back of my head, and I was like, "I I can't be like everything about you says you are." But the reality is, is I've said that about so many things, and when I've opened up about them, whether most of the time in a joke, they've been funny. This wasn't that funny, and so I did. I went live, and I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what I said. I. It just all kind of happened, and I was so mad at the, um, at, the, at the case manager. And I remember calling my girlfriend afterwards and I was like, did I say her name? And
2: she's like, no. I guess <laughs> she like,
0: hey, did I say the school district? They're like, no. Because I know, I know how yes. powerful that medium is. And it wasn't really about her. It was just about the whole process. And like, I really wanted to make sure that I didn't <laughs> say anything horrible about it, an individual person. Um, But yeah, that one, that one, and I, and I tend when things get either real or things go viral, I tend to get really quiet. I, and then I really don't say much of anything. Um, but you know, I get a lot of, I get a lot of messages on my Facebook. Most of them are one-liners. Um, that that was funny, liked video. I, I got thousands of of messages and they weren't one-liners. They were just books, books about people and their experience and their, and their kids. And, and I just felt so compelled to write back to them and, and not with one liners, you know, I was like, Oh, thanks for watching. you know, it was, it was weeks, weeks and weeks of answering people's emails and, and, and listening to the people who had reached out to help and help the people that were still somewhere, you know, earlier in the journey than we were um, and others that, you know, were farther along. So, yeah.
2: That was a hard one. So. Yeah, but it's so great that that you did it. And I know I keep saying courage and I know maybe it's an overused word, but it takes, you know, like a lot of people would hesitate um you know, to go out there and how does your how does your family do? And I think about this. I'm like like you say you can feel like you're the only one with a question, but you're not, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the things I think about all the time in, in my particular situation, I, I don't even know how many people have said to me, like, we could be our own reality show in mm-hmm. my world and my family, because every day there's just something just ludicrous happening around here, whether <laughs> it's like sometimes it's traumatic or sad. Other times it's just like so random and bizarre, like literally the craziest crap, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but my boys are very private and I can't, you know they don't want me sharing things that they say or conversations I have or things that I do. And very rarely I will. I've just started like sharing some of the texts that they sent, which are just ridiculous. Right. But, um, like, how does your family deal with that? Uh, Um, Or are that, was there ever like a conversation? Hey kids or. Yeah, yeah. there were many, you know,
0: I didn't realize how young my kids were when we started making videos. They were pretty young. And I would really let them like you. Really, didn't see Jacqueline, who you met before we went on. You didn't yeah. see her in many videos at all. And I would really, she was. I don't want to be in them. And I was like, you don't have to be in them. You know, whatever they felt comfortable with. Um, and they were, you know, super young at the time. Um, there was definitely a time in the early teens um, where I I had to be cognizant of what I was saying. And I remember sitting down with my daughter Jacqueline and. And her just saying, you know, I'm embarrassed or even the video about Brooke and the IEP and really having to say to them, like, I know you don't see it. I know that you you are not at the shows that I do. And when I tell the stories about one of our fights or a fight that I had with daddy, you don't see what I see, which is. I'm doing it. And I'm finding some kind of funny in these horrible jokes and these horrible scenarios. And you see a woman just kind of hit her husband and be like, that's (laughs) totally you. Or you see a mom Uh and daughter, you know, do the same thing. I was like, everybody is having this fight. And it's important that, that we show it that, that people see like, I'm going to kill this teenage daughter, but I still love her, you know? And I said, and listen, one of these days, I mean, I don't know how many videos we've made in in total, but there's a whole tutorial on motherhood. And yeah. when you have kids, you'll get exactly what I'm saying. Um, and so really just trying to, to really show them that whatever this emotion that you think that you're having as a, as a tortured teen, every, single teenager feels this way. No, they don't. I'm like, I'm telling you they do. And, yeah. you know, it's whether it's teenage angst or it's moms feeling very um, separate from society with young babies and um, just feeling disconnected. I mean, it's it's all on the same continuum for women. And so I don't think that we talk, we talk a lot about anxiety in our family, about depression and and I say we are an anxiety family and, and people don't talk about it. And I wish that they would. And um, we talk a lot about the things that ail us. And, um, you know, I'm like, there's nothing wrong with you. These are, these are normal fights. And if we can find like my daughter, wanted she wanted... She got her license and I took her barb. like I took her I saw her get her license it just didn't dawn on me she was going to try to drive that night and then she was like I have my license I'm going to drive like that was she had a license and, and one key and I was like where do you think you're going. A key and a you need a wallet and then you need a purse and a phone and I and then I started making stuff up. I'm like, where's your chapstick? And I kept, I'm like, of course, what do you need chapsticks? I just kept and she kept coming out of the house and I went live on Facebook and I was like, do you have extra underwear? She's like, why do I need extra? I'm like, what if you're in a car accident? You're not in your good underwear. You need so I just kept saying something. Oh my it god, for twenty minutes and finally. I was like, fine, you can go if you can show me where the flux capacitor is. And she was like, the what? I was like, the flux capacitor. She's like, I don't even know what that is. I'm going to Google it. I go, do not Google flux capacitor at all.
2: And my dad was like, I don't even know where that is. And I was like, God, this Oh, my God. So, I wish um, I had had that ingenuity when, as all my boys started to drive. Because yes. that would have been... Flux Classic. Yeah, flex capacitor. Yeah. Flux capacitor. No. <laughs> That's the way to go. That's great. Man, teaching boys, teaching kids to drive is a It's a whole
0: thing.
2: It is a whole thing. It is a whole thing. Mm-hmm. I took my son, one of my sons, I took him to his road test but he failed the second time because I taught him how to parallel park. They didn't like the way. The guy made me promise never to teach another kid to drive <laughs> and then he would pass my son. <laughs> <laughs> what were you teaching like, them that was so wrong? I learned old school, right? Like, so here's the cars, like, I pull up a little uh, ahead of right? the car. And, like, far out because the idiots are going to open the car door and hit me, right? Um, so no. I go far out. Right? Yeah, that's <laughs> where I lost it. Why are you doing it? Yeah, no. Yeah, so you're supposed you gotta to be park close. next to it and close and back and whatever. But, yeah, yeah, so, I mean, on and on. But teaching kids how to drive, that's like a, an Olympic yeah. Like, yeah, a sport. Exactly. Okay, we are going to run out of time, and I want to talk to how to do the Broadway. Like, how did you do that? That's huge. Again, how did you, complete like,
0: mishap. So I had started – I had – I. Okay. So the very beginning of it, I had a gig in, I don't know, somewhere in the Northeast, like New Hampshire. I don't know. And I'm running late for this gig. And I call the lady to tell her I'm late. And she goes, Dean, don't worry. We're running late here. So we're going to have dinner. And then we have an hour and a half set aside for you. It's going to be great. And I was like, wonderful. And I up the phone and my girlfriend was with me. And I was like, an and <laughs> she was like, what is it? I go, why does she have an hour and a half set of, I only have forty five minutes of material. She's like, Dina, come on. So her and I get there, and we sit at the bar, and I was like, I don't know what I'm gonna do with this other forty. She goes, Dina, she goes, come on. I go, it took me seven years to write this forty five minutes. Like, I don't know how you think comedy is written, but it took me seven years. Right. And she was like, No, she goes, you have all those funny stories. What about that story where Jim did this, or what about that one where Dean did this? And she just started naming these stories. So I got a napkin and I just started writing them on this napkin. I was like, okay, tell that story, tell that story. And so I was so nervous and I went up. I think I was up there for two hours just telling stories off of a napkin. And so I remember thinking, if I could do two hours off of a napkin, what would it look like if I actually tried? If like, you had a
2: paper towel.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, if I had an
0: on-to-toilet un- oh roll. My God. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I had a friend of mine had asked me to do a show with him. So I kind of learned the format there. And then a local theater, I went to them. It was mother's day of 2008. And I said, Hey, I'm thinking about doing the show. Can I do it here? And they were like, sure. And, um, and uh, we had prepped for it. We shot a lot of videos for it and it was the day of the show. And my husband said, So how many people have to show up in order for you to break even? I was like, um, like 600. He was like, (laughs) and I was like, yeah, no, it'll be fine. I think 612 showed up. And so we had enough for pizza after it. Um, and that was the very beginning of it. We did that for about a year and a half. And then I went to a conference so again, to learn to sell a show. And something happened with the way they had laid out the room. And somehow these, this twelve, the 12 of us, which were supposed to be on this back wall, got moved to a horrible location all the way in the corner. It was really dark. And nobody was happy about it. Now, I don't know if you've conferenced much, but normally at a conference you might meet the person across from you, maybe on either side of you, but that's about it. Well, now the 12 of us have been thrown into this back room somewhere, and all of us are upset about it. So I need all 12 of them. And we all have a grand time being miserable together at this conference. And one of the girls at the conference just says in passing, Have you ever thought about doing your show off Broadway? I said, Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we're going to be in New York, but further downtown. I said, I- she so there's a new program called Through the Off-Broadway Alliance where we mentor people and teach them how to go off-Broadway. You should interview for it. I was like, okay. So <laughs> we put this thing together and I don't know how many people interviewed for it, but we went in and I sat across from this very stern woman. I had like a whole booklet put together and she goes, so why do you want to join the Off-Broadway Alliance? And I said, well, uh, I would like to be on Broadway and I just feel like this would be great. And I kind of go on and on. And she goes, you do know this is the off Broadway Alliance. <laughs> and I said, uh, yeah, of course. I mean, <laughs> but I mean, how else would you get there? I mean, you start off Broadway and then you cross over and you just pack your stuff up you go across the street and then you're on. She goes, that's actually not how it works. In the history of ever, it's happened maybe four times. Yeah. And then we so all you're saying start, there's start a chance out there. <laughs> <laughs> <In> quiet silence. <laughs> so uncomfortable. And I go, well, that's what I'm talking about. Like, I don't even know that. That's why I need a mentor. And then I spend the next 20 minutes trying to dig myself out of a hole. Nice. And um, we got picked up. She gave us a mentor who was lovely. And and we began that process. And um so again it was just kind of this comedy of errors. I I feel I wish again that I had some master plan, but most of it is just kind of like this thing happening like sure, let's try that. And see what happens. So you know. That's
2: awesome. Yeah. But I love those stories because it's just I think when you when you're doing what you're doing and I, the word passion is like, it's kind of annoying, but but you know <laughs> because it's like so overused. Mm-hmm. I don't think of a better word, energies. I don't care what the word is, right? That pencil. When you're doing what you're doing with pencil, and like whatever the word, but when you're doing because you believe in it and you have and like the energy just comes out of you. It doesn't have to be faked. And then it's like, it just kind of clicks into place. So you wind up meeting the people that you're supposed to meet yeah. and connecting with yeah, them. I agree. When the time is right.
0: Well, and I do. Yeah. I, I think I spent a large part of my early years, like you said, trying to make something happen. And I yeah. I really just got to the point where it just made me really sick. I, I didn't really feel well. I kind of went through those years where they were like, you have Epstein Barr. Like I was just tired all the time. It was oh, just wow. exhausting. And I just uh, I was like, you know what? I don't really like this. I think I'm just going to follow what I what I really like. I mean, I I always I remember saying as a young person, you know, if there was a job where I could just talk, I would love that job. But I didn't grow up in a family that knew my dad was a police officer. My mom worked at McDonald's. We didn't know anything about any of that. And so um, you just kind of land from place to place. And, um, you know, I, I always say to my kids, like, whatever job you have, be good at it, be the best you can be at it. And, and you'll land where you're supposed to be. I mean, there was a few years in there where I did audience warm up for different shows, which was this amazing opportunity. I worked with Anderson Cooper for a year and a half and Paula Dean and Emerald, and Rachel Ray. And, and, and all of it was because somebody was like, Hey, there's this girl. She's really funny. We should get her over here. And so, you know, I was like, just wherever you are, you know, do your best to do good work and have a good reputation. And, And that whole, I think I did warm up for almost four years um, and it really taught me how to be a good host, which then led to Miss America, which led to these corporate things, which led to our nonprofit. So, you know, I do feel like oddly enough, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, like you said, I, I think, I think that it's really important to have a voice for motherhood and for women in general. And so, um, so it's, it's good. It's a good place to be for us now. And who knows what's next on our weird agenda, but
2: <laughs> it's such a weird time. We'll see? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. Before I let you go, I have to ask this question. We like to ask all of our guests because we started quick backstory. We started American snippets because, all the negativity and divisiveness, and everybody was focusing on what's terrible about this country. Mm. I knew firsthand after my husband was killed in Iraq, I had so many people come forward and show me this amazing spirit. I knew the impact they had on me, and I knew they were out there. So that's why we decided to bring those stories to life, just people who have a genuine love for their lives, who impact themselves, their families, their communities, yeah. and, uh, and really build their own version of the American dream. We think it's alive and well. And so we just know it just, lo- it looks different for everybody. Mm-hmm. And that's the key. Everyone has their own version of the American dream, which leads me to ask you, what is your version of the American dream? Um,
0: my version, I think the fact that I have been able to make a career out of motherhood um, has been the thing that's been the most surprising to me. I think that so many of us are told we have to choose uh, motherhood over career. and You know, I, there were so many times where people would look down on me for being a stay at home mom. And then I got a job and people would look down at me for having a job. (laughs) I'm like, okay, so where are you happy? Um, And I was happy doing both. And I was lucky that I could do both um, and then be able to do them both for long enough so that I could make it a career um, and, and be able to, for the women that are staying home, which is now all of us, but in the normal world, you know, if you are blessed enough to be able to stay home it's wonderful and awful at the same time. It's, it's, it's very difficult as we're all seeing now 24 seven, it's not an easy job. So being able to find the humor in that, and then be able to find the humor for those moms that are on the go all the time, you know, there's a big difference between raising little ones and teenagers as we both know. And so, um, You know, I, I don't, I don't, I cannot think of a lot of other women that are making a career out of motherhood. Um, and we have a line of shirts coming out next week. One that says, I love you. Get away from me. Like that is the perfect mom (laughs) shirt. Um, and I know like a lot of people are doing like really like beautiful mom shirts. Like, I love you. You're my life. I'm like, I'm never going to wear that. Um, but I will wear, I love you. Get away from me.
2: Like I'd walk through fire for you, but I am not cleaning up one more of your dishes. Like, <laughs> I cannot. but
0: like, get I cannot. your own dinner. Yes. Get away from me. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I love you. Get away from me. That's so, amazing. Um, so, yeah, I think that the best thing is to be able to have kind of found my voice with motherhood and, and, and find my people who are out there and, and, and love motherhood and are enraged by motherhood all at the same time, um, so it is it's it's quite lovely and I I hope that we do good by people or do well by people and and uh and I don't know how many quarantine videos we can make but (laughs) we'll keep making them uh because that's where we are right now but uh but yeah I feel very blessed to to have found my voice and what we do and and be able to share it and hopefully find people people find it funny
2: well, clearly they do. Um, so if by some chance there's somebody who has not heard of you or figured out how to connect with you or follow you or see your content, where can they find you?
0: Uh, anything one funny mother. You just look up one funny mother. There's a treasure trove
2: of things to find. Have a little glass of wine with you. It's a full night. So a bottle. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And Tuesday nights at nine o'clock Eastern Standard right. Time, you're live on mm-hmm. you're Sipsy live on Tuesday. Facebook. Tipsy Tuesday, one funny mother. Dina, thank you so so much. This was super fun for me. A lot of our stories are great, inspirational, and intense, and like you know, heavy, right? So it's always yeah. good, and I get to like yeah. laugh and joke around a little bit. Yeah. I love it. I think humor is important. And thank you so much for all you do and for sharing your story. The nonprofit, I love it. Please, I will uh, definitely track you on that because yeah. I can already think of like so many people to connect with and, and spread that about. Mm-hmm. That's great. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks for having me.
1: All right, everyone, there you have it. That wraps up another episode of American Snippets. Thank you so much for being here today and listening to this episode with Dina Blizzard. I'd like to personally thank Dina for being here as well, sharing her story, her insight, and her humor. If you want to learn more about Dina Blizzard, make sure you head on over to americansnippets.com. We do a full, full featured article on all of our guests each and every week. You can learn more about Dina Blizzard, read the article, watch the full video interview in its entirety, and we also throw in some links there that you can uh, check out to follow Dina Blizzard on her journey, um, visit her website, so on and so forth. Again, we appreciate you being here today. If you got any value out of this episode, all that we ask is that you leave us a five-star review on iTunes. If you've enjoyed any episode that we've done in the past, uh, please connect with us and and share your thoughts on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, at American Snippets. We actually publish a lot of content on YouTube, that we don't publish here on the podcast and audio program. Uh, And don't forget, we have a free uh, shirt offer going on right now. All you have to do is pay shipping and handling to get your Living the Dream shirt. Uh, It's a pretty cool shirt. Again, if that's something that interests you, please head on over to greatamericansyndicate.com. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you truly are. (music)